0: Hi, this is Kim with CSG Consulting, and welcome back. This week, I am speaking with Acromedia, and we are talking about open source versus proprietary software solutions for websites and e-commerce, and with me, I have Sean McCabe, who is the CTO at Acromedia, and we're excited to talk about what are some of those options out in the market. Welcome, Sean.
1: Thanks, Kimberly. Yep. Uh, And I'll just uh, give a little bit of background um, on myself. Um, uh, CTO at Acromedia. I've worked with Acromedia for about 13 years now, so quite a long time. Um, Been in the web development space for uh, even longer. Um, And we've been working, we do uh, open source and e-commerce basically paired together. That's uh, what we do. We're consultants and developers around that. So we help uh, clients both sort of navigate that space um, and then actually build out the solutions for them with e-commerce, and so we focus a lot on uh, custom uh, setups, more difficult stuff. If you just want something out of the box, that's maybe not us, but if you need to do something difficult, your business has complex needs, that's where we sort of really jump in.
0: Okay, great. Um, so tell me a little bit about open source and why you feel that is a better solution for DTC and e-commerce companies today. I know we hear a lot in the press about Magento and Shopify and a lot of these proprietary solutions, and we don't hear a whole lot normally around open source solutions. So tell me a little bit about why you think those are better.
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of it comes down to the flexibility uh, for us where... A proprietary solution, whether it's a SaaS offering or, or you know, whether it's more of like a big enterprise setup, you get what you get, kind of out of the box. And if it matches really well with what you want, maybe that's fine for you or whatever, right? The problem is if it doesn't match for you, um, either now or it doesn't match for you in the future. And oftentimes people get caught up in all of that, where it matches now, and then two years from now it doesn't match. But they've sort of really built themselves into this platform. And and with open source, since literally the code is uh, open and extendable, and you can do anything you want with it, you're never uh, boxed in completely. Some things might be a little more costly than others, um, you know, if the functionality needs to be completely built from scratch. But we feel that it, it gives you just this really, you know, open-ended amount of flexibility and your risk is really low there you can't get you know you don't have to worry about the company you work with goes bankrupt they triple their fees you know right they they don't want to add a feature that you want them to add because you know their other customers don't want it so they're not interested so that's where we think it's really really strong and you don't see it as much you know just it's open source it doesn't have you know that big advertising budget of a single company behind it right so
0: and talk to me a little bit about the fees because this is coming up a lot right now for um, and you know obviously we can't get into specific costs but this is coming up a right a lot right now around COVID 19 a lot of companies are feeling the pinch um they're trying to cut costs in order to keep their business alive and one of the topics that i'm running into with my clients is wow, our out-of-the-box solution fees are really killing us and we didn't anticipate this. So where does, how do those fees get driven up and, and how do you think companies can avoid that? Yeah, and so
1: when I talked before about, like, you're, you know, you're reducing risk, that's the same thing. There's no, there's no such thing as licensing fees which with open source software. And this can sometimes be confusing. People go, say, what's the fee? And we go, well, like, you can pay us on a retainer or something. They're like, okay, but what's the licensing fee? Well, there, there isn't one. Like, you once you build stuff, you have just as much right to run that for as long as you want you know, as, as you did if you had any other piece of software.
0: Yeah, excellent. Flexibility is, is key. And, and so, you know, we've talked about there's a flexibility with going with open source. You have the flexibility with um, adding features and supporting complex businesses. But now we're also talking about you have flexibility with pricing as well, because you're not locked into licensing fees, uh, which is a really good point. And I don't think a lot of companies necessarily realize that because um, they really just start with those upfront startup fees and they don't think about it in a long term. Um, so that's a really mm-hmm. great point. Um, who is a great client for an open source solution so who are the kind of customers who should be thinking about this because we run the gamut from you know the mom-and-pops who just really want to sell their you know their handmade pot holders to people who are really uh, you know actually are working on two and three and five-year strategies they're trying to grow an online business Um, and then we have big 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 companies who are trying to get into digital transformation or evolve their business in some way so you know of all of those types of people who do you think are the right companies to be considering open source
1: um the two we target the most are people with complex uh products or people who anticipate a significant amount of growth so they know that their business is going to change a lot but they don't necessarily know how exactly you know they 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 want to grow they want to have 10 20 you know 100 times more business than they did you know a couple years ago and it's like okay they don't even know what their software needs are going to be then because it's very hard to project that out. And so we can bring that level of flexibility to them. If you just want to sell the same you know, amount of T-shirts that you sold last year and the year before, and, and that's kind of fine, eh, you know, you can go with us. I mean, we're a fine option. We can do all that, right? But you're probably you know, just as cost effective and a little easier to go with some sort of proprietary solution.
0: Yeah, you bring up two really good points that I want to just reiterate. Um, one, you touched on one of my favorite words, which is scale. Uh, so companies that are gonna, that are looking to do a lot of growth and scaling their business and scaling their complexity over the next two or three years are great candidates for open source. Um, and then you also talk about uh, companies that want to have a unique experience. Um, I don't know about you, but i kind of been in this DTC e-commerce startup world for long enough that... Generally, I can kind of spot uh, who the platform is Uh, the minute I get on the website, right? I can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can tell who they used. Um, And so it's that unique journey and that unique customer experience that you're, I think, from what you're telling me is a lot easier to build and obtain when you're working with an open source solution.
1: Yeah, we talk a bit about um, we want your business to drive what it is not what not the technology to drive it um experience-led solution so is you say here's why here's what i want my customers to experience and then we go okay cool we'll implement that you know it can't be like here are our three options on the platform pick which one you think you know is best for your customers. And then that's the one you go with. That's not the kind of thing we want to do. So it's, it's come up with this journey and then we'll match it, whatever it is, you know, right. We might consult on, you know, what's cost effective, what's not that kind of thing, but we'll match it to what your experience is and not make you, you know, cram it into to one of the boxes we already support. So
0: Perfect. As a business person, I 100% support what you just said. Business drives, not technology. I 100% um, pushing that forward as much as I can. Um, yeah. So in your experience, so I, as you know, I work in a lot of uh, e-commerce fulfillment and supply chains. What are some of the biggest challenges that you guys are working with in like the inventory and fulfillment space? Uh,
1: probably putting the systems together is is the most complicated thing for us is people have parts of like a fulfillment system, all sort of that exist in, in various pieces, and they need to make that actually flow through. It, it, it sounds silly, but even simple stuff like, okay, you have stock, does the stock hook up with whether a product is in stock or out of stock on the website? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, no, we know, we know how many we have in the warehouse, but the site doesn't know that. And it's like, okay, right. well... You know, like, that's kind of the point, right? You know, if people are buying out of stock things, we're not helping. And so we have to get everyone to put that stuff together. And it's kind of this mix of sometimes a couple of the systems are good, and they just need to be connected together. Sometimes, you know, one system's good, one system's kind of awful, and maybe it needs to be replaced or fixed and then connect together. And they always have this piece, but like, no one has a really good... You know, end to end setup o- on the back end. You know, people throw omni channel I'm not even talking about omni channel, yep. front end kind of stuff. I'm talking, okay, someone like goes to purchase something, does it go all the way through the system to like arriving at their door? You know, or even then getting sent back, is that all connected? And no, there's usually like five pieces that none of them, you know, talk to each other. Yeah,
0: 100% agree. I see it a lot. Um, and surprisingly, I see it from big companies that you would think would actually have inventory locked in. And, um, you know, I've worked with companies that their product page hits one inventory table, their checkout hits another inventory table. Customer service is working on an entirely different inventory uh, database. For From what e-commerce is using and a lot of times even the warehouse inventory system is completely disconnected and these companies are relying on things like nightly batches to um, sync up all these different services and that works for a bit um, until you get to the size or you have a sale or there's a hot item and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. the speed of purchasing and returning and putting in the cart um, just increases so quickly that the systems can't keep up. And what happens from a customer experience uh, is that you start canceling customer orders. uh, The order, the customer goes to check out, they can't buy it. Uh, You fulfill part of their order. The customer wants to return it. They can't get a second size. It's a very negative experience. The biggest piece out of that is customer cancellations, because that is the worst customer experience that you can give any customer uh, in throughout the entire e-commerce pipeline uh canceling an order is the absolute worst and has the biggest impact so Mm -hmm. uh having all those inventory systems that are synced up and working well and you know giving uh what we call real-time inventory which can vary from uh seconds in uh Uh you know, to like hourly, anything past hourly, I don't consider that real time. We're getting Mm -hmm. into like batches as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, but good point. Keeping all those systems and then all the way to into returns, keeping them all um, connected is Mm -hmm. super important.
1: For sure. Um, One quick point to add on um, what you're saying there of, we even find that not only is it a terrible customer experience to have to do cancellations and stuff, um, even just if you have to patch that up, the amount of customer service time you spend Um, is in, is, you you might spend, you know, the equivalent of 30 regular orders on one, you know, back ordered screw up, because you have to talk to the customer, you have to try to come up with a replacement order, you have to give them a discount and explain why it's going to be two more weeks. So even if you solve it, and you don't lose that customer, the cost you have is outrageous. We've had a couple of clients where we do that. It's not even the, um, the back order problem, they have like a whole of customer facing, it's this whole cost, it like, if they solve that they could drop their customer service team like to a third of what it was and and crazy um, fixes like that.
0: Yeah. Really, really good point. Excellent point. Because we do, we forget about that. We forget about the cost of customer service because that's always at the tail end. So I'm glad that you brought that up. That's an excellent point. Um, Mm -hmm. So what are some of the biggest trends that you're seeing in fulfillment uh, with the companies that you're working on? it's it's a tough one. <laughs> it, yeah. I, the problem is, is I
1: would like to have something that's, that's really like cutting edge and stuff, but it's not that it's, 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 it's way worse behind the scenes than you think it is. Like you, you touched on it before and they're, they're all not as good. And so it's just being properly digital. And it's a lot of these businesses that, that aren't really digital at all. And they're trying to become uh, digital. Like, yeah, they have a website, but like everything behind the scenes isn't digital like there's ones where like you know people walk around with like a a clipboard and they mark down stock and things like that or they show up you know at a business and they you know, they take orders and they write them down in a sheet and then they put them in, you know, to the computer when they get back to the office at the end of the day. And you have to take these kind of systems and make them into a digital platform where people are going to order online. It's like that's not how people want to order anything. They want to just look. They want to add it to the cart. They want to buy. They want to have recurring orders. They need to know what they ordered before. Look that up and have all this stuff to sort of digitize their business from like a fulfillment standpoint of, of, you know, all this stuff was done so manually and it needs to go you know, a thing that took a week should take a day now. And, and, it, you know, a thing that took a batch took three days should, you know, go through in an hour. And so all these processes where it used to be fine to update the inventory at the end of the day or at the end of the week, it doesn't work anymore, you know, because you want to do orders, you know, more volume per day than you did in a week and this kind of stuff. So it's, it's taking these businesses and sort of pulling them into, you know, not even into the future, but just sort of into the present, you know, in various industries where they're like, you know, everyone thinks everyone is Amazon, right? You know, there's a reason they're, they're the best, right? You know, at, at, at that or whatever, you know, and, and, and there's, everyone else has to sort of do that kind of same kind of thing. And it's a lot of sometimes smoke and mirrors happening by in the background.
0: Yeah, real, really great point. And I'm glad the, the way you answered it because um, supply chain and fulfillment is not sexy. Um, And I think that, you know, I've talked about it in some of my previous podcasts. Uh, That's a reason why there is typically not a lot of funding for supply chain and fulfillment. It's at the Mm -hmm. end of the funnel. Uh, Companies are always dumping money into marketing and web experiences and websites and all this front end, you know, what they consider customer facing solutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas fulfillment is 100% customer facing and it's actually the only physical experience a customer has of your website. So how can Mm -hmm. that not be? customer facing. It's actually touching them. Uh, and this is a big point for me because I get into these, uh, standoffs every now and then, especially with C-suites, uh, where they're like, Hey, stop talking to me about supply chain f- and fulfillment. Good. Just go make it happen. And I'm like, you don't understand. This is actually the bread and butter of your company. Uh, and also in that same vein, they don't invest in their inventory and supply chain systems. Um, you know, I've worked with some fortune 500 companies that are working with, uh, 20 year old software that's Mm -hmm. you know on-prem servers and these are companies that you would be shocked to know that this is how they're still managing inventory today Uh, their warehouses are completely disconnected Uh, and you know all the things that you just mentioned and when you go and you talk to them about hey this is what we need to fix to to make you a truly digital company uh they don't necessarily always want to hear it because they're like no but we have a website we're digital. Not necessarily how it works, right? Um, so how do so how do you feel like how do you think that open source improves a fulfillment experience for a customer? You talked a little bit about the ability to customize and scale. Can you expand on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, what well, we try to push a lot, and this can be a, a budget problem, is that. Uh, customizing the back end experience as well, and and this is actually where where open source does really well. We can customize just as much on the order fulfillment side of things, you know, where the CSRs work and that kind of thing, and and doing your flows, as we can on the front end, um, which most other places, even if they are ha- like other proprietary ones, they'll have some sort of templating layer or something that can do the front end and then the back end is the back end it's exactly yep. the same for everyone right. all orders go through the same flow they have the same reports the same tabs the same everything and we try to go like hey that's that's probably not ideal for your business all your products are different the way you deal with them are different what steps they go through that's all very different you know how can we match that up to what you actually do you know we talk to people sometimes and it's like okay literally like let's go like stand behind one of your customer service people, you know, whether virtually or otherwise and, and see what they do, right? Like mm-hmm. like what happens there? And there'll be all these, you know, ridiculous things that are, are done to, you know, get labels or packing slips aren't done right and things like that. And everyone's just been like dealing with them for years or something like that. And no one goes through to like say, hey, how could we fix the process to do all that? And we say, hey, well, we can just open source, we can customize this just as much, um, you know, as we can. Let's, you know, why not, You know, we do tracking and stuff on the front end, and we, you know, we see what our customers want, and we make personas, and we do all kinds of things. Let's do this on the back end, too.
0: Yeah. It's an excellent, excellent point because the order pipeline is still a customer experience, and companies don't think about that, right? Again, they get to checkout and they're like, hey, uh, whatever, I don't need to talk to you anymore. But yeah, uh, there, uh, the statistic I had when I was working at Nordstrom was about 10% of the orders uh, require some sort of work after the order is placed. So either, the biggest one is changing the address, so somebody wanted meant to gift it and they forgot to put in the gift address, or for some reason the system overrode it. That happens uh, more than you'd like to know uh, and so the option uh, a lot of times, especially with companies that have not fully gone through a digital transformation and have not really worked on their back end, is for that person, that customer to call customer service. Hey, I need to change my address, blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of times customer service has to go in, completely cancel the order, replace the order. Now, if you had a hot item and now it's sold out, and are you going to be able to get it again? Because now you've unreserved that inventory because you've canceled that one order. And in the two minutes it took you to make another order, that actual product could be sold again. Uh, And so you bring up some really good points about, and this really starts to get into the customer care area. Um, Changing, canceling orders, changing shipping addresses, uh, changing credit cards. That's another thing that happens. A customer puts on the credit card and then realizes that Perhaps it's not the credit card they wanted to use for whatever the reason is. Mm -hmm. And the ability to change those things when you're working with out-of-box solutions um, is almost none because you're typically dealing with a fairly fundamental OMS system that doesn't have a lot Mm -hmm. of um, customization and functionality to it. It's basically like Mm -hmm. order, charge, and pass it off to be shipping. So really good Mm -hmm. point about the customer care aspect as part of the fulfillment um, so what are some of the key takeaways that you want customers to know or companies to know about why an open source solution, um, is what they need? We've talked a lot about the fulfillment pieces, but what are some of the other pieces you want companies to know?
1: Our biggest thing is anytime it's, you get on your platform, Hey, we can't do that. This doesn't support that. That can't be done. That can't be done with the platform you're currently using is is always like the the unsaid second part of that sentence. It either can't be done by your your whoever your vendor is or it can't be done by the platform. That doesn't mean it can't be done. And so it's all of this of just, oh, I, I've never, no, we won't do that. We can't do that. You can do that, right? And so we have to have all this say, people don't even know what they should shop for and stuff because they assume that it can't be done. It's sort of like, oh, well, that's just how the software works. We can't do that. and And that sort of permeates all parts of it. And it's very hard to sort of think from inside these you know, specific sets of functionality to what would we do if we didn't have any technical problems? What would be my ideal um, thing for the customer? And we try to just get that um, across. But sometimes it's like, oh, we have to explain it open source. Okay. Proprietary. You know, they're like, oh, well, my code's open. And it's like, oh, no, you, you mm. know, no, like, yeah, you can change some stuff or whatever, but here you can change everything. Right. Anything you want can be changed. And, and to try to get that message across is really what we try to do the most. And then, and then, People buy in pretty quickly, but it, it's, you know, it needs like 15 minutes, you know, sometimes with me to chat about yeah.
0: it I've gotten into this discussion a few times. And what I would call it is more the out-of-the-box solutions have what I would consider configurations. Um, because you're actually not customizing the code, which is what you just said. You're at, they're actually like, here's your 10 options and you can configure your solution. You're not actually writing any code, which in kind of deep code world is what a customization really is. Do you agree?
1: Yes, completely.
0: So just to recap what we talked about today. So, we're you know, the open source solutions are giving a client a lot more flexibility. In the long run, it's costing them a lot less. It's giving them flexibility, especially in economic our uh, downtimes uh, to maybe just float for six months to a year and not uh, pursue some of their more lofty goals, but still keep their business running. Because if you are looking at sixty thousand dollars a month in licensing fees and your revenue just got cut in half, and it's looking like it's going to be cut in half for the next twelve to eighteen months, you are at a position. A company can be at a position where it's a, it's a fold kind of question, right? Can we continue to do business? It's not a question of, can I continue to do business with a little bit less? It's, can I continue to pay these licensing fees at all? And if they can't pay the licensing fees, they're out of luck, right? So
1: if you stop paying your licensing fees, functionality goes away. Yeah. You know, like you, you're, not on, you're not on the gold tier anymore and you go down, okay, all the stuff that comes with the gold tier has gone away, right? Whereas this doesn't happen. You just, you just don't get any new stuff. But all yeah. the old stuff you had stays. And, yep. and that's the thing where you, you own that. That's yours for forever. And, and you know, yeah. I feel that that's really important. We talk about risk mitigation and stuff, you
0: know. Yes. Yes, I love it. And let's talk a little bit more about the happy path because we, you know, we've been talking about economic downturn and you need to scale down your website and what do you need to do to get through this and, and why not having those reoccurring fees is a great solution. But let's talk about when things do turn around in six months to 12, six to twelve months and all of a sudden uh, you are ready to grow again and you are ready to uh, your traffic is picking up You're ready to turn on some features that maybe you needed to turn off for whatever reason um, So how easy is that for a company to to come back in and say hey, we're killing it again We need to ramp up this website and hey We want to get this roadmap going again So we can add all these new features that we had to put off for 12 months
1: and that's where you could start immediately you know, as soon as you are like, let's go, right? Or maybe it's, and maybe it's even a little bit before things really start to pick up, but you can see that they're coming. And so you want to be like, okay, let's be ready, you know, for when this comes, you can start building and you can start making exactly the features you want. We're going to need this, this, and this. So you start making on those, whereas you might talk to your vendor and they'll be like, that's cool. That's for 2022 in our roadmap. Right. Like, Okay. But my opportunities start in 2021. So what do I do for that year, you know, where they happen, And so you can be ready with whatever that is. So whenever it kicks back in, it doesn't, it's not on a yearly cycle or anything like that, wherever you want it to kick back in.
0: So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we talked a little bit about size, but for the really small, like mom and pops, are they, should they be considering an open source at all? Or is this just really kind of outside of their reach?
1: That can be a little bit outside of their reach. Um, It sort of depends on what your product is and a bit how tech savvy you are um, for your setup. Uh, since it's the thing where oftentimes you pay for your specific customizations, that can just not be cost-effective for a really small shop. And mm-hmm. they are unfortunately better adapting their business to the software than adapting the software to their business. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes for them, we can say, hey, go with something out of the box, just don't get too invested in it, you know, and go with that until things establish and then switch to a system that you want to customize, right? If, yeah. they, if it's a, you know, a startup with a bunch of venture capital and things like that, and they anticipate all this big growth, and everything, then let's go right into open source. But if you're more mom and pop and and the budgets are a concern and you want the basics, maybe let's just go with whatever they have out of the box and, and we'll work with that.
0: So we jumped around a little bit, which always happens when I do podcasts because it's just how my brain works. Um, Because there's just so much good information when we start talking about, um, you know, the details and I always want to comb into things uh, when it's possible. But I just wanted to recap again, like some of the big selling points uh, for using open source. One is the cost. Uh, While you might have a little bit higher upfront costs because you're actually having something custom built for you, the ongoing costs are much cheaper. Um, we also talked about that you can build a truly unique customer experience and a customer journey that goes all the way from the, from the landing page to the customer getting their package and confirmation and order core, the order quarter correspondence that needs to happen. So a true unique customer journey, um, and then scale because uh you don't necessarily have to jump up between tiers you mentioned like gold tier and silver tier and different tiers that Mm -hmm. these um proprietary solutions have once you've built this it's really around just giving you more bandwidth if you need it correct
1: Exactly. That one can be really great, that last one that you touched on a little bit. It can be, hey, suddenly we go to, you know, three times as much traffic. You don't bump up suddenly to like the enterprise tier in open source because that concept doesn't exist, right? I mean, other than, you know, a little bit more bandwidth.
0: So open source is definitely a viable solution out there for e-commerce and DTC companies that are probably in the mid to highs uh, that have got a little bit experience under their belt. Uh, they're looking to grow and scale their business. They don't want to keep revisiting their website every every six months to a year as their business changes and they want to have a truly unique Mm -hmm. experience. So if those are the things that are important to a company, open source is definitely something that they should try. Um, What are, give me one or two or maybe even three tips that you would give to a company that's going to consider an open source solution.
1: Yeah. Um, First one, you're going to want to make sure whatever you're looking at is truly open source um, because you will have mixed messaging there where, where, Parts will be open, or it will use some underlying open source technology, but ultimately it won't be open source. Um, so you'll want to make sure that, that truly the code is available. You should be able to look at the code, even if you're not technical. Like you might not understand it, but it should be there to be looked at. Um, so that's the first one. Because we, you know, we've even had people on our staff will be, um, you know, hey, this is an open source platform, and I'll be like, mm, no, it's not, and they'll be like, but it <laughs> says it is. And I'll be like, well, yeah, but I'm sorry, you got duped. And they're like, man, but I work in this. How did I? Dang it. Um, And then the other one will be you probably do need some sort of vendor or agency or you need a pretty strong internal tech department to work with open source. People get caught up sometimes too far in open source where it's like, it's free and I can just install it and away we go and my cost will be nothing, right? And it's like, yes, but no, because like you need someone who knows how to do that, you know, right? And if there's maintenance, you need someone who knows how to do that. So there's a little bit of a happy medium where it's not completely you know, free, there is some stuff that needs to be worked on. So don't get too far in the other way. You think, oh, we'll just, you know, I'll get my nephew who knows how to do that. Or we have a couple guys in IT, they'll do that or whatever. It's like, okay, maybe, but it can take more. Are they experienced in that platform? Are they experienced in web development? That kind of stuff. So it's those, those sort of two things where don't get too rosy eyed on the other side either, so.
0: Excellent, excellent point. Um, and we, yeah, we got a little bit off topic, we, um, but that's pretty, that's pretty typical. And this has been great information. Um, so if you're out there and you're a company and you're thinking about either migrating your current uh, e-commerce platform, are building a new e-commerce platform, definitely take a look at the open source solutions, Drupal being one of them. Um, And it is better for companies who are going to grow quickly and really wanna have a unique experience. Um, If that's not you and you just wanna make a, you know, a million bucks a year and fund your lifestyle, proprietary is probably the way for you to go. Um, But if you're looking for something truly unique, you gotta consider open source. So thanks for joining me. Thank you, um, Acromedia, for participating. And this has been great. Have a good day.